Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu and welcome to the Amisei National Official Podcast. Alhamdulillah, today I am so humbled and honored to have Dr. Fahad Khan today with us. Dr. Fahad Khan is a licensed clinical psychologist with a doctorate in clinical psychology and a master's degree in biomedical sciences. He is also a hafiz of the Quran, having committed the entire Quran to memory, and has studied Islamic studies with various scholars in the Muslim world and the U.S. He currently serves as the deputy director at Khalil Center, the largest provider of Muslim mental health in North America, supervising clinical and research work. He also teaches undergraduate as well as graduate courses in various academic institutions. His research and writing interests include Muslim mental health and Islamic psychology. He is a fellow of the International Association of Islamic Psychology and serves on the editorial board for Journal of Muslim Mental Health and Journal of Clinical and Professional Psychology. He is actively involved in professional organizations and is currently the co-chair of the Legislative Committee of Illinois Psychological Association. Without further ado, alhamdulillah, I'm so humbled and honored to invite Dr. Fahad Khan to the stage. Dr. Fahd, how are you doing today? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi How are you, Subhan? Good, alhamdulillah. It's pretty crazy, Dr. Fahad. I've known you for so for so long, but alhamdulillah, I'm, I'm so excited uh, to kind of delve in today because it's obviously uh, Mental Health Awareness Month, and there's so much that I want to talk about, inshallah. But before we even get to all that, I kind of just want to learn, and I think it's going to be a great opportunity, especially after everyone hearing uh, that bio, mashallah, for you to kind of just share with us, how did you get into the realm of psychology? Like, how did you get into this field? Uh, man, Bismillah, alhamdulillah, salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala wa tu'izzu man tasha wa tu'izzu man tasha. So, um, yeah, I mean, even when I was listening to it, I was like just pondering upon um, the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, because certainly, I think if we were to just take our own actions into consideration, uh, none of us, especially myself here, um, you know, we're not deserving of the the honor that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us. Um, so, you know, I grew up in a in a Desi household and and uh, much like many other households, I was, um, you know, it was like uh, uh, destined to be pre-med. Um, so going into college, I, I went into uh, college with a pre-med focus. And one thing that I wasn't aware of at the time, um, you know, I knew the symptoms, but I just didn't know what it was. That was that I had ADHD and that runs in my family. So probably from my father's side, but like my grandfather, my uncle, myself, um, you know, even some of my nephews now, um, and some of them are, are pretty severe, but, uh, you know, I had ADHD where I couldn't sit and, and focus too long. Even now when I work, it's Kind of all over the place so uh, so if you see my conversation going all over the place just kind of redirect me because that might still be my ADHD but um, I realized that that I, I couldn't do uh, I, I went I finished my undergrad I took the MCAT uh, I applied to med school once I didn't get in so I did the master's in biomedical sciences and that's kind of like you take half half of the workload of the med school and that's when it, uh, that it occurred to me that I don't think that I'm I'm really meant to be a, a medical school student because it requires a lot of focus and like eight to 10 hours of studying. Um, 
and especially, uh, you know, I can sit and read for eight hours if it's something that I, I enjoy, but if it's not something I enjoy, then I won't be able to do it. So, um, so that's when I made the choice and, you know, at, I was at Midwestern and they were kind of surprised because they had known me for so many years applying there. And, you know, they almost guarantee you a spot when you do like, if you do well in your master's there. So, uh, even the admission counselors was a bit a bit like concerned, but I said, you know, this is a choice that I, I made after doing a lot of thinking and um, like introspection. So then I went into clinical psychology and I still wanted to be a health psychologist, but then some things happened along the way where I, uh, you know, things happen in your life that apparently in the, in, in the moment look like they're very negative events and that things that, that are traumatic, but that helped shape you into who you are. So I would say around like uh, between 2012 and 2015, I went through a lot of different um, events that I wouldn't call them traumatic, but I guess objectively one can say, and then that kind of shaped me into who I am today in the field that I am. And I'm alhamdulillah, very passionate and I feel fulfilled. I love my job. Uh, I wouldn't uh, do anything else if I had a choice right now. So yeah. Alhamdulillah, that, that, that's amazing, Dr. Fahad, and it's so, so inspiring, mashallah. Uh, I know you, you, you concluded that by saying you love your job, and mashallah, if, if one doesn't know about the great work Khalil Center is doing, I think it'd be great, Dr. Fahad, if you can shed some light. Uh, in addition to shedding some light as to what Khalil Center is and what it does, I think it would be really great to know specifically as the deputy director, like what does your day in the life look like as uh, someone in your profession? Yeah, so Khalil Center, alhamdulillah, I mean, it's uh, about, uh, it's been about 10 years. It was started uh, by Dr. Human and Milana Bilal. Um, I joined in about, I think, 2013-ish. Uh, it's a psychological, spiritual, community wellness center. Um, you know, in the beginning, uh, the focus was more towards providing clinical services to those uh, Muslims um, who wouldn't go elsewhere. So, you know, if you look at the Muslim community in a spectrum, you recognize that Muslims, um, uh, you know, they're very, they're, there are some that are very conservative, there are some that are very liberal, and then a lot of them in between. Um, the conservative ones, which in Chicagoland area percentage-wise might be a very small percentage, but numbers-wise it's a lot. So they wouldn't go anywhere if they had any, any psychological concerns or problems or marital issues or whatnot. So, um, you know, in the beginning, we, our focus was that, but over time, um, uh, two things started to happen. One was that we also started, and, you know, this was something Dr. Human had already begun, but we started working on our model and, and research and writing in Islamic psychology uh, and Muslim mental health. Uh, we got involved with Muslim mental health through the Institute of Muslim Mental Health, uh, which is the Umbrella Institute in, in U.S., and then uh, later with the International Association of Islamic Psychology, which is international um, but then um, the other thing that happened was that um, we had people coming to us now who weren't really very conservative, like they had the choice to go somewhere else and they, they could go to an American non-Muslim provider, but, you know, they were recognizing the importance and the benefit of coming to a Muslim provider who, who can treat you with that, that uh, the lens and the focus from an Islamic perspective. Um, so, uh, you know, that's what Khalil Center does now. We have offices in California, New York, um, Chicago, and Toronto. Uh, we do some online work as well with some limitations, obviously. And then internationally, we have affiliations academically with um, institutes in Turkey and Pakistan. Dr. Human's actually in Turkey right now. He's working on developing a 
doctoral uh, track at Ibn Khaldun University there on Islamic psychology. Wow, mashallah. And then and that, that's amazing to see, you know, the growth of Khalil Center, subhanAllah. Uh, we had a podcast with well, Sheikh Yasser Birojaza, you know, a couple months ago, and we talked about the importance of like premarital counseling. And I, I even shared that I, I went to Khalil Center with, with you actually uh, for, for premarital counseling, subhanAllah. And just to see in those, you know, couple of years since, uh, I always hear the good news of now we're open in th this state, we're, we're doing this, we're expanding, things of that sort. So it's so great, subhanAllah, to see how, how much Khalil Center has grown and all the amazing courses and things of that sort that I see on social media, et cetera, do. And, and subhanAllah, it's so inspiring. And obviously, we know it's going to, inshallah, keep on growing. What about you, though, Dr. Fudd? Like, what, what's your day-to-day -day -day look like? Yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it varies. Uh, so I see clients on uh, Wednesdays and, and Saturday and maybe Sunday. Uh, so those days pretty much come in the office and have back-to-back -back appointments that I have to, uh, you know, uh, cater to. Um, on other days, I have like, I have to supervise interns. Um, so when I come in, I have to answer a lot of emails, um, you know, I, uh, supervision. And then sometimes interns will just knock on the door and um, there's two of them right now that are doctoral interns. So they'll just knock on the door and, and ask um, a question that I have to take care of. Um, and then sometimes emails and, and voice messages will come from like even clients, maybe someone's unhappy, or uh, I also have to approve like financial uh, related uh, issues um, uh, related to billing. So if somebody's like has a, a um, balance that needs to, needs to be, um, you know, written off, things like that. So those kind of emails will come in. Um, and then um, I'm also involved with organizations in, in Illinois Psychological Association, American Psychological Association. So some matters related to those will come in and, and I have to deal and, and deal with those. Um, and alhamdulillah, this is where my ADHD is like a strength because I can do like 20 different things at once <laughs> and, 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 and hopefully get them done. I mean, I get them done. I, I can't speak on the quality of it. And then there's um, also research and writing. So like there's a chapter that I'm supposed to revise and, and resubmit within the next few days. Uh, there's another, there's like two other papers that I'm working on. There's a research in Pakistan that I'm working on that I'm supervising with the, with two other uh, writers. Um, then I do um, a little bit of my own reading. So if, if I get bored of something, I'll, I'll pick up the book I'm reading right now is actually Ibn Arabi, which is very uh, heavy. So I'll pick up and read a page from there, uh, take some notes, do some thinking reflecting and then go back to like checking emails so <laughs> that's kind busy. of like my day-to-day -day. yeah <laughs> sounds sounds so busy subhanallah well may Allah reward you Dr. Fahd and, and all of Khalil Center and all the staff volunteers uh donors etc uh, I guess Dr. Fahd now that we've kind of learned a little bit about your background how you got into this your day-to-day -day, what Khalil Center is and things of that sort I think now it'd be great to transition into mental health awareness month right uh you know obviously if one's on social media, you're seeing the hashtag used a lot. Uh, I would love for you to kind of share the importance of having something like this. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mental Health Awareness Month, the importance to talk about mental health and things of that sort? Right. So, I mean, I think it's a good initiative, but I, I, will, I will say one thing, which is that in, in the Western culture, you know, mental health uh, is kind of like... Um, an issue of health uh, that you only have to worry about if there's something wrong. 
And I think that's not a right approach uh, to deal with mental health. It might be an okay approach. And I, I say, okay, I don't think it's the right approach there either, but it might be okay to do it within the realm of physical health. So somebody's fine and they're feeling okay, you know, they should occasionally get some, their blood work done and get themselves checked just to make sure nothing's wrong. Um, but for the most part, if you're feeling fine, people don't really, uh, you know, do any of these checks. For mental health, though, I think um, it's good that we have a whole month that's dedicated to it. But I think that this is something that needs to be like all year long, like you have to take care of your mental health. It's very important. Um, you know, it's I think the the only other analogy I can think of is like when people don't like the fact there's like a Black History Month, and that's the only month that people are dedicate attention to you know, African-Americans and their struggles. And what about the rest of the year? So I think the mental yeah. health, um, the way it's seen in the West is that, you know, presence or absence of disorder um, is what determines your mental health. And I think from an Islamic perspective, that's not uh, entirely accurate, uh, where we need to focus on, um, you know, does get enough and, and, and cleaning ourselves of any uh, any issues may be, uh, you know, the psychological or even spiritual. And that's the work that needs to be done all the time, like throughout the day, uh, throughout the year. So from that perspective, I, I, I wouldn't want people to just be like very much dedicated to mental health in this month. And then, you know, the other the rest of the months, 11, 11 months, you're just kind of like, you know, not even concerned about it. I think this is a topic that needs to uh, be addressed every day of the year. SubhanAllah, I really appreciate the transparency. And I think that's such a great point. It is something that shouldn't only be addressed once a month, once a year, if you will, uh, for a month, it should be something year round, because we all have, uh, you know, things that we all need to work on or improve upon and things of that sort. I guess then, Dr. Fahad, since you've been in this space for so long, the pandemic, as we all know, at least from my own personal view, I've seen a lot more people talk about the importance of mental health after the pandemic, right? People are losing their jobs. People are uh, going through a lot of difficulty. How have you seen mental health being affected with those who you work with, those in the community, et cetera, during this, this, this pandemic, if you will? Yeah, so I think um, whenever we look at uh, our stress and anxieties, um, and I'll give one example, which is related to, uh, related to relationships. So uh, we know husband and wife ha are having problems. Um, oftentimes, they're not able to compartmentalize and isolate where the problem is stemming from, right? So, for example, in in premarital, uh, if you recall, and you know, I can't, I can either confirm or, or deny that you were my client, but <laughs> you've already confirmed <laughs> it. We're, we're past that point. But if you recall, we talked about like you know, differences in, um, in gender and differences in personality. So like whenever there's a problem in, in a relationship, people aren't able to recognize, well, this problem is because of our differences in gender, or this problem could be because of that. Someone has stress from work and they come home and take it out on their wife and they're not able to isolate and say, okay, I'm stressed because of work. And maybe I can communicate that to my, my spouse, but you know, I shouldn't take it out on, on her. Um, similarly, during COVID times, that's kind of like what happened. So there's, you know, one, like there's the one side of that, that story is that where people were getting stressed because it's just overall a stressful situation that we're in, you know, we're asked to stay at home and there's lockdowns and masks and all of these things and shortage of toilet papers and, you know, and so all that stress is, 
there and people are just taking it out on other things and they're just deteriorating without recognizing and isolating that stress. Because if, if in our mind, you know, if you're able to isolate, that, that's like half the battle. If you can recognize where the stress is coming from, then you can learn to deal with it effectively or, or you can accept it. Um, the other side of that story is that uh, there is a model in psychology that's called the stress diathesis model, which basically uh, says that, that you might have an underlying issue, whether it be genetic or uh, biological. And this is the reason why most uh, schizophrenia symptoms and bipolar symptoms emerge in early 20s. And so what happens in, is that when you have an underlying issue, uh, what uh, brings it to the front and what kind of pushes it to like your, uh, your external environment is stress. And so uh, with COVID, people who already had anxiety issues and who already had, everybody has anxiety. I mean, there's healthy anxiety and there's unhealthy anxiety, but I uh -huh. think this COVID time kind of pushed that into, um, you know, to, to the front burner and, and people are just uh, experiencing it more and they're not able to deal with it. So there was definitely an increase in um, uh, anxiety, there was increase in, uh, you know, relationship issues, family problems. Um, and uh, yeah, but alhamdulillah, I think people were able to deal with it. I mean, those who I've worked with, um, you know, were able to manage it. Uh, just, they just needed some support. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I guess then, uh, you know, kind of taking that and, and, and focusing on a lot of the people who listen to our podcast who are students, and, and, and of those students who we've been able to talk to and interview and those who have just been able to, to benefit from and, and learn from, a lot of them tell us that even in 2021, there's still a lot of challenges that they're going through. Some don't even know that their graduation will be virtual or not. Obviously, there's still the pressure of, uh, you know, maintaining their mental health while also excelling in their schools. Some of them were so used to that social aspect of school and don't have it anymore. Some of them now, you know, are now at home all day and, you know, tensions may arise between, you know, their, their family, if you will. And that's just a small list of so many other uh, issues I'm sure we're all aware of. So what advice do you have, Dr. Fahad, to some of the students who may be coping or who want to cope with some of the stresses that they have because of this pandemic? Yeah, first thing I, I would wanna say is that um, the, the very nature of our existence in this world and the very nature of dunya is that there's going to be stress, there's going to be struggles. I think that's something we have to recognize as a whole. This is a preventative uh, method to increase our resilience. So. What I mean by that, like Alama Iqbal will uh, talk about in, in one of his famous poems, Sakinama, he says, you know, um, the idea of uh, comfort and peace is, is an illusion of our mind and our, our eyes because um, every, and he gives the example, this is very, you know, like something that we can even uh, see around us. He says, every single atom in the universe pulsates with energy. It's in constant motion. So if everything is in constant motion, why do we seek, you know, this, this, uh, this peace, comfort, like uh, this stillness, you know, which is equivalent to, or we associate that with like peace and comfort. And so I think we have to recognize that this world is, and will always be, and no matter where you are and what age you're in, no matter what uh, socioeconomic group you might be in, struggles will be different, but there will be struggles. Um, so, you know, I've gone through my, my teenage years and undergrad and graduate school. And now, you know, I've been married for 12 years. I mean, every, at every point there were struggles and there are struggles right now too. So I think that's the first thing is to recognize that 
in the moment, it seems like, man, it's, it's a lot. And we think that we have this thought that once I graduate or once this happens, or if I'm able to do this, somehow it will get better. Somehow this will improve. It may or may not, but, but the idea that this dunya is what it is, the nature of this world does not change. And that will always be the fact. Um, so keeping that in mind, and this is where kind of like the health anxiety kind of comes in as well and acceptance of it. You know, some sure you say like depression, for example, in this world uh, is because the fact that we are away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our, our soul desires to be united with its creator. And therefore that separation creates that sadness, right? So they say that sadness in this world is normal from that, that perspective. The other thing I want to say about struggles here is that you know, people who struggle here, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards them uh, immensely in the hereafter. So, you know, if there were no struggles, then that would be a sign of like, man, something's up. Like, you know, uh, like if we're not being tested, you know, this is, I mean, obviously in the Quran, right? That you will surely be tested through these means. And the glad tidings are the ones who are patient. Um, there's a, a story of a, a woman who came to the Prophet ﷺ who would have seizures and then she would fall and her her aura would get exposed. So she asked the Rasul ﷺ, like, can you make dua for me? Um, and the Prophet ﷺ said, he, he gave her an option. He said, look, I can make dua for you and you'll be healed. But if you're patient, you will have Jannah. You know? And so she thought about it and then she said, okay, I want Jannah. But can you make dua that my, my at least I'm not exposed? you know, when I'm struggling and then when I'm going through that painful epileptic seizure. And so he saw some made dua and, and then afterwards, you know, she would still have them, but she wouldn't, her aura wouldn't be exposed. So, um, you know, the idea that like she chose to go through the struggle knowing that there's Jannah afterwards. And I can't remember with Sahabi, but I think there was a Sahabi who used to, who asked, who told another Sahabi, like, do you want to know a, a, a person who is a Jannati and, and, and he pointed to that woman because of that narration. So it's pretty amazing to reckon, realize that there's the struggles in this world is, is the equivalent to peace and comfort in the hereafter. Now, as for what you can do, I think most Muslims, especially those from the Indian uh, Pakistani background or Arab background, Alhamdulillah, we come from middle, um, middle class backgrounds uh, or even upper middle class. Uh, so we all have insurances, we all have the means, Khalil Center, you know, we, we have a huge wait list, but we still have like programs like financial assistance programs. So, you know, there's always help available. So we shouldn't use therapy as a way of like, um, you know, uh, uh, intervention, rather it would be like prevention. So I always recommend individuals and myself first and foremost, I had my session with my psychologist today at, from every Tuesday from 12 to one, it's my session time. And um, so, uh, you know, use therapy as a way of uh, prevention so that you don't have to deal with um, the effects when you go through the struggle. Um, and then when you are going through the struggle, obviously it depends on what struggle and there are ways that you can cope with that as well. Got it. Got it. I think, uh, subhanAllah, may Allah reward you, Dr. Fahad. That was, I, I love how you quoted it. Uh, you know, you want to, you, you should take it for prevention. Uh, right instead of intervention subhanallah I, I love that i guess kind of shedding some light upon therapy in general at least from what i've seen and you can correct me if i'm wrong i feel like com compared to maybe five years ago there's definitely been less of a taboo 
uh, in our community. I definitely have been seeing, mashallah, a lot of the, you know, students and, and youngsters, if you will, really stand up and talk about, you know, the importance of mental health, uh, of course, therapy, things of that sort. But from time to time, even as someone who's involved with our youth in our community, whenever that's brought up to any of our youth, I get, I get all the time, oh, my parents wouldn't approve of this. My parents don't believe in that, things of that sort. And I'm sure people listening can relate. I uh, would love your thoughts on shedding some light on, on the taboo of mental health therapy, things of that sort. Right. I think the, the taboo actually comes because of the Western approach to therapy and counseling. Like I said before, the absence of the presence of psychological disorder, because when you take the word disorder, psychological illness, you know, these are negative, they carry negative connotation. Um, I, I, I would associate a lot of this with like post-colonial, um, you know, and post-modern kind of I, I like thought process that, you know, if you have a, an illness or a disorder, then something's wrong with you. You know, our history has never been like that. Like we always had these traditions, like the Sufi tradition, for example, always had the idea of having a sheikh. And the goal there was similar to, you know, what would be, I'm not saying counseling, counselors like your sheikh, but at least from the perspective of like uh, correcting your behaviors and having somebody keep you in check. That would be someone that a sheikh would do. And that's what Imam Ghazali says too, that, you know, um, having a sheikh would be the best modality. But then he also says having someone who is, um, you know, who's a um, righteous uh, companion and who knows these matters, like, you know, similar to what a psychologist would be, would, is another way of knowing your own deficiencies. And so I think that our approach from, from, from the Muslim, like historical perspective, from Islamic perspective, it's always been, um, that we've always looked, um, you know, uh, um, like well towards um, uh, you know, correcting your, your behaviors and mannerisms, uh, you know, cleaning your, your soul and yourself of like any, any negative issues. Uh, in the West, like I said, it's, it's looked differently. And we've kind of adapted that, that uh, mindset that somehow there's something wrong with you if you have a mental illness. So I think talking to the parents about um, the issues, like letting them know that, look, you know, I'm struggling and I need some support um, and uh, answering their concerns, right? Validating and answering. Whenever somebody has disagreement with you, whether it be your parents or it's the, you know, the, the, the conservative uh, Trump supporters or whomever, um, you want to validate them first, because if you don't validate somebody else, then they're not going to listen to you. And then you want to present like what the issues are. And like I said, from an Islamic perspective, I've had many parents come to me and I, I let them know that this is, you know, this isn't something that is un-Islamic or, you know, uh, like you shouldn't worry about it. Um, and then sometimes their concerns are real. Like what if there's a disorder that you diagnose and it's attached to their records and what happens to all that, you know, and you answer all those things like medications, what if there's side effects? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, and so answering those concerns and fears can really help alleviate a lot of their anxiety, but some of this takes time as well. I think uh, a lot of the older generation, um, you know, still are not able to uh, recognize the importance of it and maybe they never will, but I, you know, as time's progressing, like you said, um, the younger generation is, is, re is realizing the importance of it. And, you know, in about 50 years or so, things will definitely change. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Well, I, I guess it's great to see things, mashallah, going in, in the right direction at the very least. Uh, awareness being spread more. I think even having, you know, an episode like this, inshallah, is, is a big step.
and obviously more 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 work to come obviously the work is not done inshallah but it's great to see it in the right direction i guess then dr fahad to kind of end things off i'm sure mashallah there's obviously a lot of students who are, who are going to be listening to this and some of them may very well be still undecided as to what they want to do with their career some of them may actually be majoring in psychology some of them may be in grad school pursuing uh, a similar career path to to what you've done my my you know question to you dr fahad is is what advice do you have for someone who wants to pursue a uh, career in in therapy counseling psychology social work things of that sort yeah so i would say first off uh, do it only because you actually feel passionate and you recognize the um you know like what you're giving up so what i mean by that is that like a lot of times people might go into a career because it's it's just the like thing to do or it's the talk of the town so you don't want to do that you don't want to go into mental health because everyone's talking about mental health um you want to do it because that's something you you feel some passion towards um the reality unfortunately is that you know if you spend equivalent amount of time in any other career like if you get a bachelor's in computer science versus the bachelor's in psychology i mean in a computer science you might end up even starting a job with six figures if not close with with the psychology you're going to start a job that's going to be actually minimum wage right so there's a difference same with masters and same with doctorate there's always going to be a difference so you know if your goal is to make money now you can make money as a psychologist especially if you have some business background but uh, just uh, you know taking average salaries out there or median salaries i think that there's a world of difference so go into it if you feel passionate like i don't you know personally make that much money but i'm happy i'm like when i come to work i enjoy my work when i everything that i do i've never i wouldn't say never but i would say like it's very rare for me to think that man i got to go to work now oh lord like not again you know kind of i don't have those kind of thoughts uh i look forward to work um in fact sometimes on my day off i'm like i only take one day off a week and even then i'm like trying to do work because that's how i feel about it so you know i think if you can find some kind of passion towards it um then absolutely do it um and you know with mental health uh, especially if you want to do counseling you have to have at least a masters in it um so it's there's a lot of commitment there as well uh and requires a lot of sabr but um you know it's it's very fulfilling i can tell you like you know when you're there and you're providing support to somebody who's gone through trauma who's suffered and just by talking to you and they give you that feedback you know i feel better you know thank you so much i mean it, it, there's something about it like you just feel so good like alhamdulillah you know that allah has given me the opportunity to help someone who's suffering and suffering at a level that other people can't see and they're sharing with you you know like people say don't talk about your sins uh and then the exception that i think scholars will make oftentimes in the in the modern day will they say you can talk to your psychologist about it right because they're trying to help you you know become a better individual um so you're the person that's keeping those and the hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam which um you know he says man nafasa mu'minan qurbatan min qurbi dunya nafasallahu anhu qurbatan min qurbi yawm al-qiyamah whoever relieves a burden um uh, from his from his brother from this world allah will relieve a burden from hereafter and then woman uh, woman tayassara ala ala mursani sallallahu fi dunya wal akhirah that whoever eases uh, someone's pain allah will ease theirs in this world or make ease for them in this world and the next 
And then وَمَنْ سَتَرَ مُسْلِمًا فَقَدْ سَتَرَهُ اللَّهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ Whoever covers the faults of another believer, Allah, Allah will cover their faults in both worlds. And then last, وَاللَّهُ فِي عُونِ الْعَبْدُ مَا كَانَ الْعَبْدُ فِي عُونِ أَخِي That Allah will continue to help his servant as long as the servant is engaging in helping his brother. So all of these things are like what I do basically regularly. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. And I'm, I'm so grateful that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept, like I said, my deficiencies and my sins, uh, you know, uh, are covered. And he has helped me through my difficulties and made things easier for me. Um, so, uh, you know, to me, uh, I'm sure other fields can, can do the same. But for me, like this is like this hadith basically summarizes uh, the work of a psychologist. Subhanallah. May Allah, may Allah reward you, Dr. Fah. That was beautifully said. And I, I know, subhanallah, that that will inspire a lot of people. MashaAllah. Uh, I guess, Dr. Fahad, to conclude, uh, kind of shifting gears, if you will, we do this every single episode. So we want to keep the streak alive, inshallah. And it's just ending off with some fun, rapid fire questions, if that's okay. So before, before you do that, I do want to give something really practical, yes. especially to the youngsters, right? So I think some things that are just very easy to do that we all can do easily, um, but I know they have an immense impact on our mental and physical health. Um, the first and foremost important thing is sleep. I think that people very easily sacrifice their sleep, especially when we're college students or high school students, we're up late at night, you know, and sometimes we work for Fajr, but other times we don't. But the sleep, uh, if you go look up any study there is a high correlation of sleep uh, deprivation or sleep problems or not sleeping on time, even if you're getting enough sleep. Like the night is meant for sleep. You know, that's what we know from, uh, from Quran as well. And so, you know, please be mindful of your sleep. Sleep, at, uh, uh, you know, when you're supposed to go to bed, wake up when you're supposed to wake up. Um, and that alone is going to like resolve at least 20% if you have a lot of mental health issues. If not, it's going to prevent you from having mental health issues. The other ones, obviously, you know, appetite in like in, or, or food intake and your diet and then being active uh, and then, you know, spending some time in reflection. If you can do a journal activity, that would be even better. There are a lot of journals out there. Um, you know, you can do some bullet journaling, but the idea that you're reflecting on how your day was doing some muhasaba of your day, um, you know, and just kind of reflecting on, on what, I'm, what my behaviors were like and how can I push myself. Uh, so these are just some easy things that if everybody did, I think, um, you know, a lot of the times when people come in, this is, these are some of the first recommendations I give. And if everybody did that, I think people would just be uh, healthy overall um, and they wouldn't need a lot of the services that, that uh, you know, they come to seek for. Alhamdulillah. So to conclude, you said sleep, appetite, and reflection. Your, your three takeaways that one can instantly adopt, inshallah. Yes, yes. sleep, diet, and reflection. Love it, yes. love it. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair, Dr. Fahad. Um, I guess, are, are you ready for rapid fire? Yes, yes. Go for okay, it. so you, you mentioned diet, so we're going straight to it. So first question, Dr. Fahad, is what is your favorite food? Uh, right now, well, and anything chicken. Um, so anything that's made in chicken, I love it. But right now, I've fallen in love with talbina, which is another prophetic uh, diet, and it helps with anxiety and depression as well. Wow. So every morning, I eat talbina. SubhanAllah, love it. What is your favorite hobby? Uh, favorite hobby. Oh, that's a hard one. But uh, the first one that comes to mind is video games. Okay, cool. We can relate. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite book? Aside from the Quran. <laughs> oh man, it's a tough one. 
Um, I don't have a favorite, but the one that's most recent that I've, I've come to enjoy is called uh, Science of the Cosmos, Science of the Soul by William Chick. Okay, awesome. Uh, almost done. Once this pandemic is over, aside from your Mecca and Medina, where is your go-to place to travel? Oh, it's always Pakistan. I go there every year. Oh. I'm going again. In, in, this summer, I'm going twice. So wow. yeah, uh, going back to Kashmir, seeing my family, eating the food there, traveling. Um, yeah, I grew up there. I, I was 10 when I moved here. So uh, without a doubt. I love it, mashallah. Sticking straight with, with your roots. Alhamdulillah. All right, last question. So we were kind of light, but now we're going zero to 100. We're going a little bit deep, inshallah. Okay. This is my favorite question to ask every single episode. And I'm really excited to hear yours as, answer as well. If you can give advice to your younger self, what would it be? Oh, I just did this the other day, actually. I was watching a TikTok and somebody was saying that. And I was like, I'm going I'm to do this right now. And this was the advice that I gave. I said, it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to not know everything. It's okay to mess up. And you don't have to uh, live up to the expectations of others. SubhanAllah. I, I think there's... Uh, that 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 that's a perfect way to conclude. Alhamdulillah. May, may Allah reward you, Dr. Fahad, for all the gems and nasiha that you gave us in today's episode. Uh, I will definitely, inshallah, to everyone listening, include Dr. Fahad's handle. You can follow him, benefit from him, inshallah, along with, of course, the Khalil Center website, his website, and things of that sort, so you can be attached and learn more about this cause. May Allah reward all of you for listening, and we will see you on the next episode of the Amisei National Podcast.